0: record this? Oh, I should probably preach my own message then. Okay. <laughs> it's just a, it's, all right. <clears throat> so today we are going to be speaking in our main service. Um, we have, of course, uh, um, we're, we're going to take a break, I guess, from our series that Pastor Russ has been preaching in uh, the Second Corinthians. Uh, so we're going to go to what I'll consider kind of a topical message, but not really as a text uh, call. It's going to be a message entitled Identity Crisis. And so in that message, we're going to talk about how God changes the identity of people when they come to him. And aren't you glad that you are a new creature in Christ? Um, old things are passed away. All things are become new, right? The Bible says. Um, so let's get into it. And in that, we're going to bring into things the story of Jacob, the deceiver, the supplanter. And God changes his name and changes his purpose and you can say it's one of the radical change stories of the bible And it's found in genesis uh, 32. We'll get there in a little bit But let's pray as we start off and let's ask the lord to help us as we are combined help us to get um, Some help uh, from him this morning lord. Thank you that we could be here in church. Thank you that we Are in your house on your day. We do pray that you'd please help uh, this uh, lesson Really to be able to be received Help us as we look at this radical change that you have made in the life of jacob and lord help us as we are trying to uh, Fill in for people that are key that are missing today We do pray that you'd help them to have a restful vacation And help them to be able to come back recharged so that uh, We can continue serving you with all of our heart and all of our strength Now, Lord, we pray that you would bless this time today. Thank you for the opportunity to combine things. We do pray for any who are not well today and not able to come to church because of physical ailment or because of emotional distress. Encourage them, Lord. Help them to see that you're with them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, Jacob is a character, to say the least, isn't he? And we all probably know the story of the story. I say, I don't like to call the Bible, Bible stories. I think we should better call them accounts because sometimes you can lump in a Bible story like, um, you know, a Disney story, which is fake. Okay, there's no fake stories in the Bible. Did you know that? There's not one account in the Bible that's not true. They're all true, right? So we'll call them accounts. And what we have here is a very familiar, familiar person. Because Jacob is going to be in the lineage of guys like Joseph, okay? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Those are the big three, the big patriarchs. Abraham, amazingly used by God to be called out of the comfort of Ur to go into a place he didn't even know. The ultimate example of faith, right? Starting out before you figure out how it's going to turn out. Where am I going, God? Abraham never got the answer right away. He just went not knowing, right? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. Obviously, Abraham, Isaac. Isaac was a pretty decent man in many ways. I would say that he learned a lot from his father. He had a great example, and he followed that example. But when he married Rebecca, and they had two sons, things didn't go like they should have in a normal home. For example, there started to be favoritism. Now, nothing really destroys a home like favoritism when one child is favored over another. And to make things really bad in this home, you had uh, Rebecca, who was really favoring Jacob. And you had Isaac, who was really favoring Esau, right? So there was dual favoritism. And that is a very dangerous thing that can happen in any home. So, what we have here is we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when we come to Genesis chapter 25, we see the development of a deceiver. The development of a deceiver. What do I mean by that? Well, take your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Now, when we have our main service, we'll, we'll, we'll highlight Jacob and his name change and his identity change. Genesis chapter 25. We're going to be reading verse number 24. Genesis chapter 25, verse number 24. The Bible says this, And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. Continue reading. And after that came his brother out and took And his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. So how old was uh, Isaac when these boys were born? Threescore. Sixty years old. Any people approaching that, don't raise your hand. Can you imagine having children at that age? (laughs) I mean, grandchildren are tough at that age. Forget actual children, right? We're combined today, Scott. I have, oh, this is my computer. Tell her I need it. (laughs) This is where my notes are. Okay. Um, I I don't know. If she didn't bring it, then she doesn't have it. You can tell her she was supposed to bring hers, I guess. I don't know. But I need this one. Okay. I, I really need this one. This has my notes on it. So, 60 years old. Grandkids, okay. Mom and dad, oh, wow. Right? So here we have, from the very beginning of Jacob's birth, we have him wanting a blessing no matter it would take. Even from the very, you could say, moment of his ex- of him being into this world, he's grabbing the foot of Esau, trying to kind of pull him back, so to speak, to say, no, I want to be the one that comes out first. Isn't that something? And from this, we see a pattern that Jacob is going to be a person that wants the blessing of God, but wants to do it his own way. His way is, the well, the way that seemeth right unto a man is never the best way. It, the Bible says is the way of death. Deception is really what he is known for. When we think of Jacob, and we wonder where Jacob learned the destructive parenting method of favoritism that he um, is going to portray here. And look at what the Bible says in verse 28 of uh, Genesis chapter 25. And Isaac loved Esau because he didn't eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. There it is. Plain and black and white, so to speak. You see the favoritism. God highlights it and says, here's a problem within the home of Jacob. Same home of Isaac, so to speak. And he is going to be really um, taking advantage of this. And by the way, nothing probably more dangerous in the home of a deceiver than a situation that you could easily manipulate, right? Because that's what was happening. You can probably see this play out throughout their life where they both had, you know, their favorite parent to go to. And so when they wanted something, they probably went to Jacob, went to, you know, his mom, and Esau went to dad. And that's just the way it was. So I see some, some children smirking. They're thinking, yes, I do that too. Hmm. Well, not healthy, right? And so as a young age, as a young age, Jacob is going to learn that he possesses a talent to scheme for what he wants. That's a very, that's a very destructive talent. When you can go to scheming as your, your mode of operation, we know scheming, we know that deception is lying. We see here in this deception of Jacob, and we see in his life story, in Genesis chapter 25, going to verse number 29. Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. Let's read these verses. And Jacob sod uh, pottage, and that means he cooked some pottage or some soup. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, that With that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom. Continuing. And Jacob said, scheme, right? Deception, right? Here we go. How can I manipulate this situation? Here's how. Instead of just saying, sure, I've got plenty. Here, take some. Right? We can share. That's what a good brother would do, right? I don't know if Jacob's a good brother here. He's a manipulator. He's a schemer. And what does he do? Moment of opportunity. Hmm. What can I do to make this go to my advantage? What can I do to, here we go, get God's blessing, which I've always wanted, but I'm going to do it my way. So that's the theme here. We'll, we'll come back to that theme towards the middle and the end. So Jacob says, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I'm at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear it to me this day. And he swore to him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. You see how that worked? Now Jacob has the birthright, but there's a problem. He still didn't have the blessing. Right? He's got the birthright. And really what Esau was saying here is I'm going to, to, you can say, I'm going to allow you to be the first in line now on paper, even though you're not but I'm going to give you the birthright. You'll get the possessions and the first take of the possessions and all the things they did in that culture. But he still did not have the blessing. So he has to think up, figure out how to do that. And so we see in Genesis 27, go a few chapters later, we're going to see a, a deceiver deceiving. And it was a common practice in the Old Testament for a father to give the eldest son a verbal blessing before death. So in the case of twins the father would have to choose which son to bless. So there was the problem of being a twin back then. You're kind of born on the same day, had to share a birthday. But then when it came to that blessing, basically the father got to choose. So Isaac didn't have to choose Esau because they were twins. But do you think Isaac was planning on choosing Esau? Of course he was. Esau was Isaac's favorite. That was the plan. Well, we see this play out in Genesis chapter 27, and we see in verse number uh, 1 of chapter 27, verse number 1 of chapter 27, Genesis chapter 27, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know that the day of my death I know not, excuse me, the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out into the field and take me some venison. Make me a savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. So we see, just like we pretty much assumed, because of the favoritism, he is going to choose Esau, and that is the way it's going to be. Well, as a good wife tends to do, she was eavesdropping, right? Listening in. And got wind of this plan that Jacob, uh, that Esau, uh, excuse me, that Isaac had hatched with Esau. And so she says, listen, we've got his dim eyes to our favor. Dim eyes mean, you know, he was starting to lose his vision. So here we go. So what do you think, Jacob learned some of his manipulation skills here. <laughs> Mommy dear, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, this type of manipulation parents is not um natural, it usually is honed and learned and 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 something that we can pass on to kids if we don't deal in the truth like we're supposed to. You say one of the as parents, one of the problems of having a problem with lying is You're going to show that pattern to your child. And you know how it is with some of the things that we have as negative um, traits as parents. They get augmented, don't they? They get augmented in our children sometimes. Only by the grace of God can they be taught the right way and taught not to follow in some of the poor choices that we make and not do so. And here we have a great example of that. Rebecca is also a, I would say, not as much of a deceiver as Jacob is, but obviously honing Jacob's skills in this arena. And so we find this plan that Rebecca goes to uh, Jacob, and in Genesis chapter 27, we'll pick up in verse 18, and he came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, here he is. He doesn't know who he is. So one of the things about being a deceiver is you start to lose sight of the truth no matter if it's, you know, foundational truth. And we can talk about this in our culture today. One of the problems we have uh, in our culture today is as a culture, we have lied to ourselves. We have not used the Bible, the source of truth, to guide our hearts and our minds and so because we have no foundation of truth, the very basic things of identity, we're messing up big time. Here's Jacob. He, I mean, obviously he's manipulating, obviously he's deceiving, but think about it. He has a great opportunity to just go with what's right and say, My name's Jacob. Will you still bless me, Dad? But that's not what he does, does he? I'm Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou, uh, thou biddest me arise, I pray thee. Sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, here we go, has to cover up with another lie, because the Lord thy God, and this is pretty bad when he brings God into it, right? The Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel uh, thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. So I guess you can say Isaac is a little suspicious. And Jacob went near, near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, Thy voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, and his brother and his brother Esau's hand, as his brother's Esau's hands, and so he blessed him. And so Jacob finally emerges victorious and gets the blessing. Right? Not really. The scheme was successful. He got the blessing his own way. However, um, the process of getting the blessing made him a pretty powerful enemy, wouldn't you say? Esau comes back in verse 41, and Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith with. His father blessed him. And Esau said his, uh, in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother Jacob. So Esau pretty much said, I'm going to kill him. Now there's one skill that Esau had that Jacob didn't. He was a good hunter. That's a pretty bad thing when a good hunter wants to actually slay you. And it's just waiting for the, you know, 40 days to be accomplished where he can finally get off his morning and go after his prey. And his brother becomes his prey. So we have a problem. (laughs) And Rebecca sees this problem and says, you need to get out of here, right? We all know the story. If you've been in church any time, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm really skipping through some details because I'm assuming you know a lot of this. Because of the threat from Esau, Jacob is sent to Pandanaram to live with his uncle Laban, Rebekah's brother. Isn't that something? Go live with some family. And so, we see this next phase where the deceiver gets deceived. Right? (laughs) So, there's often a misquoted or misapplied Um, verse in in the Old Testament, be sure thy sin will find you out. You ever heard of that? I think sometimes we misappropriate that when we say, see, when you do wrong, you'll eventually have it found out. I don't think that's what that verse is meaning, though. I think that principle is meaning, when you sin, there are many sins that will be done to you that you are doing to others. That same sin will find you out. That's what happens with Jacob, doesn't it? Jacob the deceiver. Jacob the schemer. Jacob who emerged victorious, so he thought, with the blessing. Did it his own way, but he got the blessing. Right? Goes to Laban. Verse, uh, we're in Genesis chapter 29 now. Jacob is welcomed the Laban's family, and Laban falls in love. Uh, excuse me, and uh, family, and, and Jacob starts to fall in love with Laban's younger daughter, Rebekah is not miss something. No, it's Rachel. Excuse me. About to say, I got my R's messed up. I'm thinking, that doesn't make sense. His mother's Rebecca. There we go. This is why we go to the Bible for our source of truth here, not my notes. Genesis chapter 29, 16 through 18. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored, the Bible says. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Beautiful love story starting to emerge. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Pretty cool. He's in love now. The deceiver's in love. Really bad. He's got the love bug, right? Seven years of work seemed like a day, you know. Verse 21, Jacob said, we're in Genesis chapter 29, And Jacob said unto her, unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took, uh, he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did I not serve thee with thee for Rachel? Wherefore, then hast thou beguiled me? <laughs> Jacob says, You've hoodwinked me. You've deceived me. And Laban has the answer. Oh Sonny, let me tell you about our culture in our country. Hey, you're in a different country now. We do things a little differently here, don't we? That's why I had to. I had no choice. I had to manipulate you. I had to deceive you. It must not be so done in our country. To give the younger before the firstborn, fulfill her week, and we will give thee also for the service which thou hast served me, yet seven other years. So it's like, sure, we'll give you, uh, we'll give you Rachel, but you got to serve seven years. And he's been deceived. Be sure thy sin will find you out. Yeah. So Jacob gets deceived on what was supposed to be one of the happiest days of his life. Can you imagine that? Your wedding day. You wake up the next day and it's not the person you thought you were marrying. Now, that might be figuratively in some cases. Because I know there are some cases where people, you know, fall in love and it's all shallowly based and then a few days after they wake up and they realize He's not the loving guy that I was dating. He is not the guy that was, I fell in love with. And what do I do now? Well, in this culture, here's what Jacob had to do. He's deceived into marrying Leah, and he has to work seven more years for Rachel. What does the Bible say in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7? Anybody know that by heart? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. I'll start it off. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap? You may be heard of the laws of sowing and reaping, and this is one of them: What you sow, you will reap. What you put in the ground will eventually grow, and you'll have to harvest it, and you'll have what you sow, right? Well, in total, we see that Jacob has to work for Laban for 20 years, 14 for the daughters and then an additional six for the cattle that Jacob purchased from Laden. So he's working now for 20 years, and this has been quite a, a journey. And so what we see here is in this in this process of being there for 20 years, Jacob, the schemer, is going to scheme again, right? And if you remember this pretty cool uh Uh, agricultural demonstration, what we have is Jacob kind of realizing that when some of the livestock eat a certain plant, they have a little bit more strength. And they develop a little bit of, a, I guess you could say, a pattern on their fur. And so he's doing this on purpose. And so in the process, he's taking Laban's cattle, uh, or his, I think it's his goats, his sheep, and he's having them eat this stuff. And he's producing a stronger variety of this herd. And he pretty much goes to Laban and says, listen, I'll just take the speckled ones. I'll take the ones that look weird. Laban's like, sure, <laughs> why not? And so he kind of schemes Jacob into using his herd to get a better, leaner, and, and I guess you could say more healthy uh, uh, animal. And so here we have him needing to leave. And there's a lot of things that go into this. We don't have time to really hash it all out and give you because what we're going to get to right now is the the meat of what we're trying to get to this morning. So we have this very controversial parting with Laban. Uh, Jacob is determined to go home at the end of his journey. He's going to do what any real man is going to do. He sends the women and children ahead. Remember, we have Esau, the hunter, who's still looking for Jacob. And so he sends the women and children ahead and says, you go ahead. Maybe he'll show mercy to you and kindness to you. And I'll just linger behind and see what happens. So that's what happens. He's alone. His servants, his family, they have gone their way. And now we're in Genesis chapter 32 where we see God do a tremendous change. Genesis chapter 32, verse number 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. Now, this man wrestling with Jacob is actually the pre-incarnate Christ. This is a Christophany. Okay? If you want to, well, yeah, Christophany. Theophany would be a pre-incarnate version of God, but this is... Well, God is Jesus, so Christophany. I'll call it a Christophany. Some people call it theophany, but I'll call it a Christophany. I think this is very interesting because um, it's a great illustration that even though we've manipulated and schemed and tried to do things our own way, God still wants to meet us. God still wants to deal with us. And God still wants to come to us. And in this case, God still wants to wrestle with us. Look what the Bible says in this wrestling match that they're having, verse 25 and 26. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou. Here we go. What's the next last two words? Bless me. W- wait, Jacob, don't you already have the blessing? Remember, you swindled it out of it, out of, out of it, you swindled it out of uh, Esau's hands by pretending to be Esau in front of your, your dad. Don't you have the blessing already? And in his heart of hearts, Jacob knew he didn't have it because he didn't have it the right way. It's a great principle. When you, de- when you have to deceive to get something, the satisfaction is absolutely temporary. Isn't that the case? And what we have here is God's response to this request. I want your blessing. And in verse 27, in response to Jacob's request, I, bless me, God responds with, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And when he said the word Jacob, it's like him probably reliving some of these opportunities when he's been asked his name before. The same question Isaac asked Him twice before he deceived his way into the blessing the first time. What's your name? What's your name? Twice he said, My name's Esau. My name's Esau. But when he's coming face to face with this wrestler, this pre incarnate Christ, he comes to grips with who he is. Instead of being Esau, he tells him his name. My name's Jacob. I'm the manipulator, I'm the deceiver. I'm the supplanter. I am, I am the one who constantly wants to get the blessing, but I don't know how to get it the right way, and so I just manipulate my way, deceive my way into getting it however I want. And finally he fesses up and says, I'm that guy. Here's the thing, Christian. God will always meet us where we are, but he wants us to be honest about who we are. I think sometimes we think God will meet us where we are and just want to keep us that way. God meets us where we are, but we aren't willing to change who we are, so we kind of try to deceive God, and I'm not saying, um, well, I'm not saying, well, I, I would say we're not doing it on purpose, but we are, right? Because ourselves are deceived. And we're pretty much letting God meet us where we are, and we're trying to get God to, to work in our lives and to help us and to bless us and to bless what we're doing. And we don't, we don't deal honestly with God. We decide to try to pretend that we're something that we're not, and God doesn't deal with that. God knows exactly who we are. God sees through all the... Um, walls that we put up, God sees through all the um, defense mechanisms we portray, God sees through all the um, you can say, things we put in front to portray that we know what we're doing and who we are and all these things these facades I guess you can say that we throw up, God sees through all those so God addresses this your name is Jacob Supplanter, deceiver. And he said, thy name shall be no more called Jacob. This is verse 28. But Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? When God changes Jacob's name from deceiver to Israel, he literally changes it from Jacob, supplanter, deceiver to Israel. Israel, which means God prevails. What a name change. What a purpose change. And Jacob finally does get the blessing. What's very interesting in this, he walks the rest of his life with a reminder of this wrestling match. And a reminder of this radical change that happens this night. And that limp that he always has the rest of his life is a reminder that God changed my name. And when he changed my name, he changed my purpose. And sometimes scars are left in our lives from things that we have to wrestle with. So we remember who we were and what God has done Those are sometimes good for us. There's a song out there, you know, heal the wounds but leave the scars to remind me how merciful you are. So here we have Jacob, this story of radical change. And I want to plant this thought in your mind, and it will carry into our message time. Listen, when God changes a name, he changes a purpose. And the Bible says at the moment of salvation, we got a new name. Therefore, we have a new purpose. My question is, do you know what that purpose is? Because we have such an, I would say, identity epidemic, not just in our culture, but in our churches today. We have a lot of Christians who are doing whatever they can to get God's blessing, but they're doing it their own way. They don't want to conform to the image of Christ. That's God's way, and that's what God is trying to do in us. But we'd rather be a better picture of us. And from the pulpit, we can hear people saying, be the best you you can be and God will bless you. No, no, no. God never tells us to be the best you, best of us we can be. God says, here's my plan. I want to conform you into the image of Christ. That's called sanctification. We don't want to do that because some of the things that Christ portrays is something that's so against what our flesh and what our, our desires are. And it takes some surrender, doesn't it? It takes surrender. It takes some service. And so that's what I want you to latch on to today in our life group hour as we're combined. We went through a, pretty much a fast version of the story of Jacob to get you to this point to say, listen, it doesn't matter who you are, and that's the truth. God wants to meet you. But when he does, you got to be honest with him. Can't try to play the games you play with everybody else. Can't put up the facades that you would like to portray to everybody else. you got to come to him honest. And if that's broken, come to him broken. And if that's confessing, come to him confessing. And if there is a need for a sin to be repented of, repent of it. Get honest with God. Get real with God. Because God wants to bless you. And God wants to give you the purpose He has for you. And God wants to co- start conforming you into His image. And He wants to do it powerfully. I mean, you think of Jacob going from deceiver to being, uh, going to power. That he, he he gets to be the the... The fact that Israel prevails. I mean, think of that power that's in there. And that's exactly what God wants to do. And Jacob finally gets what he always wanted, a blessing. But he finally gets it God's way, and it's authentic. And I think what we need in our church today is an authentic encounter with God. You know, Jacob had one. It was a wrestling match. I want you think about that. What's a wrestling match? It's arduous, isn't it? It's a process, isn't it? It's a struggle, isn't it? <laughs> kind of sounds like, sounds like sanctification, doesn't it? Sure does, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe, we, maybe sanctification was always pictured in the Bible as a wrestling match. And if you look in the New Testament, you see Paul talking about sanctification and things like that, which I would do, I do not. That's which I don't want to do, I do. And woe is me for I am a wretched man and ah, I just feel like I'm wrestling within myself. Yeah, it's, it's a wrestling match. That's sanctification. But that's what God is doing to conform us into His Son, which is what our identity will eventually be, by the way. When we're glorified, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as we He is. Well, that's what I have for you today. It's ten forty, and I guess we'll get out early today because usually we go until ten forty-five, don't we? So I guess you'll have five minutes to fellowship. Just be in mind that I guess the children upstairs they probably are going a little bit longer. Of course, they had no computer, so who knows what they're doing? <laughs> All right. Oh, she found it in the car. Okay, good. Okay, good. So we appreciate it. If uh let me ask, we have five minutes. Any questions, any comments, any things that you want to share this morning from what we just talked about, we can use this time. Anybody have anything they want to comment with? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Good to have you. I don't know the acronym. I used to say there's words. Sure, please. I like it. (laughs) It's good.
1: Check, check, check. Is this one here? Mm. It's right, it's right here. (laughs) Somebody to be my friend. Thank you. Even though I have a DJ voice too, yeah, I'm going to school for radio broadcasting. You do. Okay, but even though I like to, you know, have somebody to be with me in the in the uh, in the flesh, but it's hard to find somebody who you can. By me being blind, it's hard to find someone who who you can trust. You know, in the back of all dollar bills, it says, "In God we trust." I have to find me somebody that could trust that I could trust. If I let somebody in my house, they will steal from me. Good. Like I had somebody in my house, they stole my TV. When I went into a rehab, a drug rehab center, mm. stole my TV, stole my food. Hmm. Figure I could trust somebody. The only person I now can trust now is Jesus in my house. Amen. Because he don't steal from me. Mm-mm. He don't lie to me. Nope. He trying to. He's like a person. He's trying to guide me. Like I said, the word Bible, basic instructions before I leave this earth. Right. I want to become one of his sheep. Because when I was out there drugging and drinking, getting high and everything, I was a lost sheep. Right. They know where to go. You know, and things to do. I've seen everything. I've seen my kids grow up. I graduated from high school. Now I'm going to college. I go to Middlesex Community College to go to school for radio broadcasting. Oh because I'm not going to let this blindness be my crutch Amen. to hold me back.
0: Amen. Well, thank you for your testimony, and thank you for that testimony of how God can still work. And I will say we're here at Meriden Hills Baptist Church to help people like you not be alone. That's why we have a church here, so you don't, you're not alone. So we'd love to get to know you more, and maybe we can help you with some of the things that you're dealing with. Um, but I like your voice, and... I mean, goodness, we might have a narrator position for you at our church sometime. (laughs) Thank you so much, and welcome to our church, and we're glad that you spoke on, on, you know. Amen. Well, that's okay. I appreciate that, and that's a good testimony. Well, let's pray, and then we will be dismissed and... You can go and fellowship, and then we'll start our service a little bit after 11. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we had this morning to learn a little bit more how you change us and want to change us, but we have to be honest. We have to be real, and we have to go through that encounter with you in a real way so that you can bless us and give us what we've always desired. Not in a worldly way, Lord, but... You've you you want you've given us the ability to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, and thank you for that. We could not do that on our own. So help us, I pray, as we think about this, as we go into our worship service. Would you bring a sweet spirit into this place, and thank you for um, your love, and thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God bless you. We'll see you at 1105.